Again, good evening, Saints. This is uh, CBG Tony, as you can see by the nickname. Tonight is uh, July 26th, 2022, and uh, I'm going to be doing a study on the cross and the crucifixion. From the last study, I kind of touched on on the cross and how in, in Matthew it speaks of take up your cross and follow me and kind of went into uh, some detail as to uh, how people today are using that as their message for today as far as taking up their crosses and, and utilizing it, and which, which is fine as long as they, you know, they, they're using it for the Lord's uh, benefit. And, you know, I question whether, whether they should or not, you know, because the cross always led, uh, was the circumstance of death from the law at some point. And when they were hung from the cross, uh, it was, it was to the death. And, and the death, you know, was basically from the law. So Christ, in my mind, was telling telling those followers of his to pick up your cross because you could be standing here where I am carrying my cross and be guilty of the same thing. So I was just I just did a, a little study on the cross and the crucifixion and and in the companion Bible in appendix one sixty two is where I'm gonna be getting some material and uh and go some into the Old Testament because uh, the cross isn't even used in the Old Testament, even though uh, it was definitely in, uh, let's see, it was used systematically by the Persians in the 6th century B.C., and Alexander the Great brought it from there to Eastern Mediterranean countries in the 4th century B.C. That was the history and pathology of the crucifixion that I talked about last time. So uh, the uh, the Greek New Testament, two words, or actually three words are used for the cross, and two it talks of in the appendix. One is staros, which denotes an upright pail or stake to which the criminals were nailed for execution. Uh, I know Forrest, in his presentation at the conference, had a had an image of that exact type of uh, stake, where uh, they was crucifying a person, and it was probably representative of Christ, where it was just on a single stake or pole, and had his hand above his head, hands above his head. But the uh, the word staros, which donates an upright pillar stake to which criminals were nailed for execution, or the word zulon, which generally donates a piece of dead log or wood or timber for fuel or any other purposes. It's not like a dendron, which is used of a living or green tree. And then your green tree is used as the Greek, the Greek form dendron. So that's used several times in Scripture as uh, just an, 
the regular tree that's flourishing with leaves and everything else, when that's used in Scripture, it's used as dendron as compared to staros when the word tree is used in the New Testament several times when it speaks of when he was hanged from a tree, staros is used, and that is a simple stake or, or post. As the latter word, zuon, is used for the former staros, it shows that the meaning of each is exactly the same. The word staros means to drive stakes. Our English word cross is a translation of the Latin crux. The Greek staros no more means a crux than the word stick means a crutch. Homer uses the word staros of an ordinary pole or stake or a single piece of timber. And this is the meaning and usage of the word throughout the Greek classic. It never means two pieces of timber placed across one another at any angle, but always of one piece alone. Hence the use of the word zuon, number two above, in connection with the manner of our Lord's death and rendered tree in Acts, Galatians, and First Peter. This is preserved in our old English name, rood or rod, the Encyclopedia Britannica 11, uh, Cambridge edition, volume 7. There is nothing in the Greek New Testament even to imply two pieces of timber. The letter key, seeds, in the initial word Christ, Christos, was originally used for his name. The X, X, R, in the Greek form, the key row, this was superseded by the symbols X and X. And even the first of these had four equal arms. These crosses were used as symbol of the Babylonian sun god and are seen on a coin of Julius Caesar of 144, 100 to 44 B.C. and then on a coin struck by Caesar's heir, Augustus of 20 B.C. On the coins of Constantine, the most frequent symbol is X, but the same symbol is used without the surrounding circle and with the four equal arms, vertical and horizontal. This was the symbol specific, specially venerated as a solar wheel. It should be stated that Constantine was a sun god worshiper and would not enter the church till some quarter of a century after the legend of him having seen a such such a cross in the heavens. The evidence is the same as to the pre-Christian phallic symbol in Asia, Africa, and Egypt, whether we consult Nineveh by Sir A. Lanyard or, or manners and customs of the ancient Egyptians by Sir J. Gardner Wilkinson. Dr. Schleiman gives the same evidence of his ileos, recording his discoveries on the side of prehistoric Troy. And Dr. Matt's own false Richter gives the same evidence from Cyprus, and these are the oldest extinct, oldest extant Phoenician inscriptions. The catacombs in Rome bear the same testimony. Christ is never represented there as hanging on a cross. The cross itself is only portrayed in veiled and 
hesitant manner, hesitating manner. In the Egyptian churches, the cross was a pagan symbol of life, borrowed by the Christians and interpreted by a pagan manner in the Encyclopedia Britannica, 11th Cambridge edition. In his letters from Rome, Dean Bergen says, I question whether a cross occurred before ours on any Christian monument of the first four centuries. Mr. Jameson's famous history of our Lord has exemplified in works of art, she says in volumes two, it must be owned that ancient objects of art, as far as hitherto known, afford no corroboration of the use of the cross in simple trans- transverse form familiar to us. At any period preceding or even closely succeeding the time of Christendom, the Chrysostom wrote half a century after Constantine. The invention of the cross by Helena, the mother of Constantine, in 326, though it means her finding of the cross may or may not be true, but the invention of it in pre-Christian times and the invention of it used in later times are truths of which we need to be reminded in a present day. The evidence is thus complete that the Lord was put to death upon an upright stake and not on two pieces of timber placed at any angle. Now this was came out of the Companion Bible, Appendix Number 162, The Cross and the Crucifixion. And when you get to studying, you you can see the credibility of this. In the Old Testament, we're going to go there first, and we're going to get, I'm going to try, attempt to give us a, a, a study of Esther, because the gallows, the word gallows, and I know we're all familiar with the gallows, but the gallows is used in Scripture. It's used in one book and one book only, and it's Esther. And it's used nine times in Esther, which, uh, guess what, is the number of judgment. And, uh, we'll, and we'll go from there. And the gallows, it's 6086, and the Hebrew form is ates, A-T-E-S. It's a tree from its firmness, hence wood, plural stick, carpenter, gallows, helve, H-E-L-V-E, Pine, plank, staff, stalk, stick, stock, timber, tree, wood. So those are the different uh, usages in the Old Testament. The CB notes in in Esther 5.14 is gallows is a tree, a stake which a criminal was fastened till he died, the same word for cross. Now this came from uh, the gallows from uh, the CB notes. Let's go to uh, Esther and give you a little rundown as to this because the Esther was interesting as I went through it to uh, see the layout of how how it went. Now, Esther was uh where is it at? 
Enter. Uh, Esther, I lost it. Anyhow, Esther was the, the adopt. She lost her mom and dad, and her uncle's son, Mordasi, Mordasi, take her as took her as his daughter. Now, Mordasi. Uh, came with Zerubim, uh, and they are from, there it is, there was a certain Jew in Shushan, the place whose name, whose name was Mordasi, the son of Er, the son of Shemi, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. So Mordasi is, is a Benjamite, and Esther is also a Benjamite. And he brought up Hashem that it, Hadassah, which is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother, and the maiden was fair and beautiful. And when her father and mother were dead, Mordassi took her for his own daughter. Esther had not made known her people, which is the Jews, nor her kindred, for Mordassi had charged her that she should not make it known because this was in the Persian uh, regime. The king was Ashavaros, Ashakros, Ashavaros, whatever. Anyway, he, he ruled over 127 provinces and he was a very big king in, in Persia. Now, Mordasi walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did, because Esther was now inside the king's house, okay? And he, he wanted to keep track on her to see how she was doing. Now, when, when the Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordasi, who had taken her for his daughter, was come out to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked on her. She was a very gorgeous lady. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordasi was sitting at the king's gate, and he was listening. Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people, so she still hadn't told nobody of her lineage that she was a Jew. Because there's one guy that wanted all the Jews dead. So Esther had not yet made known her kindred of her people as Mordasi charged her. And Esther did the command of Mordasi like as when she was brought up with him. In those days, while Mordasi was sitting at the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, that kept the threshold were wroth and sought to lay hands on the king Asherus. So there was two people there that wanted to kill the king. They wanted to lay hands on him. They wanted to get rid of him. So, and the, the thing became known to Mordasi, her, her, 
I keep wanting to say her uncle, but actually he's her first cousin. So, who showed it unto Esther the queen, and Esther told the king thereof the, what was happening, what's going to take place. These two guys want to take your, uh, want to lay hold on you and kill you. And she told him that Mordassi found that information out. So all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed down and did reverence to Haman. Now, Haman is Hitler. Let's just say that right off the bat. Haman was one of uh, Ashros's servants. I guess it's his right-hand man. But he wanted all the Jews dead. So everybody was bound down to him and did reverence to Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him that they bowed down to him. But Mordassi bowed not down, nor did him reverence, because, as we know, a good Jew will not bow down to nothing but their, nobody but their God. Then the king's servants that were at the king's gate said unto Mordassi, Why transgress thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordassi's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. So Haman was going to go in and scheme a few things here. So now it came to pass, while they then spake daily unto him, and hearkened unto him, whether Mordassi's matters would stand, for they had told him he was a Jew, and when Hanan saw that Mordassi bowed not down, nor did him reverence, then was Hanan full of wrath. So Haman was now very mad that we have a Jew on board. We can't handle that. But he brought scorns to lay hands on Mordassi alone, for they had made known him the people of Mordassi, before Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Asherah even the people of Mordassi. Now, when Mordassi knew all that was done, so Mordassi, he got wind of this, he knows what was going on. Mordassi ran his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went into the midst of the city and cried and with a loud and bitter cry. And Esther's maidens, see, they know what Esther is. Esther's maidens and her chamberlains came and told her, and the queens, Esther is the queen here, and told her, and the queen was exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordassi, to take his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther to Hatach, one of the chamberlains, whom he had appointed to plunder her, and charged him to go to Mordassi to know what this was and why it was, because they didn't tell him it was from her and why. So... He went forth to Mordassi unto a broad place in the city which was before the king's gate. And Mordassi told him of all that had happened unto him and the exact sum of money that Hanan had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. So uh, Haditch had come and told Esther what was going on from Mordassi. Then Esther spake to Haditch and gave him the message to Mordassi, saying, 
All the king's servants and the people of the king's providence do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king or the inner court who is not called, there is one law for him that he be put to death, except those whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But it, but I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. Now this is this is Esther talking to Mordassi. Then Mordassi bade them return answer to Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. So he's saying, Be careful because you can lose your head just as good as all the other Jews. Then Esther bade them return answer to Mordassi. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and feast Fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also am my maiden's will, and fast in like manner. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, so be it, I perish. So Mordassi went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. So we get into five. Then, then Haman, so... Haman's got a scheming going on. Haman went forth a day joyful and glad of heart, but when Haman saw Mordassi in the king's gate, that he stood not up or moved him, he was filled with wrath with Mordassi. He said, this guy still is not going to bow down to me. So in 13, yeah, all this availeth nothing so long as I see Mordassi, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. This is Haman saying that. Then Zerus, so this, this is his wife. This is Haman's wife, Zerus. She's the wise one. His wife and all his friends under him, let a gallows be made 50 cubits high. That's going to be 100 foot, by the way. 50 cubits high, and in the morning speak thou unto the king that Mordassi may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet, and then pleasing, thing pleasing Hanan, and cause the gallows to be made. All right, let's build this booger, so we're going to use it first thing tomorrow. So, and it was, it was found written that Mordassi had hold of the, told, had told of Big Thana and Teres, two of the king's chamberlains, of those that kept the threshold, who had sought to slay the king on King Asterisk. And when the king said, What honor and dignity have been bestowed on Mordassi? So he's saying, Hey, this guy saved my life by telling me these people were trying to kill me. So what honor has been bestowed on Mordassi? For this, then said the king's servant that ministered to him, there's nothing been done for him. And the king said, who is in the court? Guess what? Hanan was now come to the outward court of the king's house to speak to the king to hang Mordassi on the gallows that he prepared for him. I think that's going to work out. So the king said to Haman, Wait a minute, I might be jumping here. 
And the king's servant said, Behold, Haman. And Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman said in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than me? Why would the king want to honor anybody but me? I mean, I'm his right-hand man. I am, I am. So then Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let royal apparel be brought, which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and on the head of the crown, which the crown was royal set. And let the apparel and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man therewith whom the king delighteth to honor, and cause him to ride on horseback through the streets of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall be it done, the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Ah. The king said to Haman, So be, make haste, and take the apparel to the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to more dashy to Jew. He said, Wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, Mordassi? The Jew? I'm supposed to put all this on Mordassi? I'm just ad-libbing, man. But even Mordassi the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that is spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and the raid Mordassi and caused him to ride through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man from whom the king delighteth on. So, then took Haman, and Mordassi came to the king's gate, and Haman hasted to his house, mourning and having his head covered. So he said, oh, no, that wasn't me, Mordassi. So, and Haman recounted unto his wife all the friends that had befallen him and said his wise men and Zerus his wife unto him, if Mordassi before whom thou hast begun to fall be of seed of the Jews, thou shalt not prevail against him, but surely shall fall before him. Then, uh, then said in seven, Hadron, one of the chamberlains that were before the king, behold, also the gallows fifty cubits high, which Cainan hath made for Mordassi, who spake good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. And the king said, Hang him thereon. So we're talking about Haman that's, that's going to be hanged, because he's, he was the leader of the other guys that tried to take him. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordassi. Then was the king's wrath pacified. On that day, in Esther 8, on that day, the king Asherus gave the house of Haman, the Jews, enemy unto Esther the queen, and Mordassi came before the king, for Esther had told what was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordassi. 
So here now, Mordassi is the right-hand man to the king, and Esther, Esther set Mordassi over the house of Haman. Well, why not uh, he do to Haman's family what he was going to do to Haman? So Mordassi the Jew, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Then were the king's scribes called in. So long story short, he hung his ten sons on the gallows as well. Now, these gallows might not be the stake, but according to the CB notes, it pretty much says it is, but it might be the type of hanging that we're familiar with the Old West and whatever. But uh, I just... I just got tickled in reading Esther and going through that and seeing how how God's hand worked with Esther and Mordassi and it's, I just I just I had to share that with you guys even though it was uh, kind of skipping here and there the story just uh, spoke volumes to me but. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the, when a man goeth into a wood, Deuteronomy 19.5, when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor and he would, and his hand fetcheth a stroke with an axe to cut it down a tree, the head slippeth from the half. So the wood is the half. And the length upon his neighbor that he die, he he shall flee into one of those cities. So this is another word for ace, which is uh, like a stake. Another word in Joseph, but two six. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax. The stalks is the eights. So it's referred as stalks of flax which he had laid upon the roof. Another word is staff in 1 Samuel 17.7. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And this, this is talking about Samson. And his spear is not Samson. Uh, the giant. And his spear's Head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing shield went before him. And then in Lamentations, it's like a stick. Where the visit in Lamentations four eight, the visage is blacker than coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It is like become a stick. So now we get into the New Testament. In the New Testament, the two words for the cross, which the Lord was put to death, is stars, and from the base is a post or upright stake, the pole or cross. After the apostles were put in jail, and the Holy Spirit released them and told them to preach to the temple in Acts, the guards came and got them and took them into council, and Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men in Acts 5, 30-32. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. 
Don't say hang on the cross. It says hang on the tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given. Uh, here, Peter, in Acts 10, Peter steps up to the plate, uh, testifying of Christ's death, in 10, 37-41. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they hanged on a tree. So we know that he wasn't hanging from a noose or anything else. We knew that he was nailed to a tree, which is starless. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. So they had live witnesses of his resurrection. So here, the next one is the apostle testifying before the synagogue in Antioch in Acts 13. Uh, 16, and he stood up and beckoned with his hand, said, Men of Israel that fear God give audience. And when they had in uh, 29, he says, And when they fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, the stars, and laid him in the sepulchre. They didn't take him from the cross, they took him down from the tree. So these these are examples that the cross has been misinterpreted or misused by churches for centuries, the Catholic churches and everybody else. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is death. Being made the curse for us, took it all on himself. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And that's in Deuteronomy 21:23. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. And that tree is H in the Old Testament Scripture. And it's the same one as uh, uh, gallows. So, but shall in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that they, thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. And an example of another tree in First Peter 2.21 through 24. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 
who did not sin, who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, which is God. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. The stars. It's on the cross. It's on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are, were healed. So, in John 19.17, we're bearing his cross went forth into the place called Skull, which is called a Hebrew Golgotha, physically carried his cross, but was helped by Simon of Cyrene in John 3.14. As we get an example where John speaks of how the serpent in the wilderness was put on a, a post. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. The serpent was placed on a pole. In Numbers 21 to 8, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. This is when the people were whining again, wanting this and wanting that, not satisfied, so the Lord sent serpents, and they got bit, and when they looked upon the brass serpent, they they would live. I'm sure they, they got healed. So, the pole is without a doubt what Christ was crucified on, and not only Christ, but others as well. In Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that's Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And in Colossians, now, who now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Fill up that which is behind the death of the cross. All members of his body have thus a mutual interest in one another's sufferings. We as body members don't suffer alone. We all suffer for and with each other. We all, when, when one of us is suffering and we know about it, we grieve with these saints. Just like Mike and Dee. There's none of them that goes by in the day. I'm not thinking about both of them. In 1 Corinthians 12:26, body members should regard their sufferings less in relation to themselves as individuals and more as parts of the whole, carrying out God's perfect plan. And 1226 says, And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. 
will one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. That's my study for tonight. I hope you were as blessed as I was. I'm sorry if I kept skipped through Esther, but it just it just kind of came to me as I was reading it that you know what I want to I want to do this, and it tickled me how how the Lord works with uh, with with His people. At that time, it was for the Jews. Well, today, it's for the body members. The Lord is working with us, and through prayer, He's working through us. And we're working with and through the Holy Spirit. But uh, I hope you guys were blessed, and let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. All the blessings, Lord. Thank you for all those. That, that are attending. And Lord, we just thank you for, I just can't thank you enough for everything you do for us. Lord, we're not worthy. But uh, be with us, Lord. Lead God and be with all of us, those that are traveling. Be with Dee and Mike. Lord, bring them through this ordeal and bring them home. For it's in Christ's precious name, Lord, pray. Amen.